Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas today. I mean, I know I'm excited about all of our episodes, but especially today because I've already seen them, tasted them, like found them in retail stores, and they're still like an up and coming brand. And you guys are going to love this brand. It's called Wisps, like W H I S P S, Wisps. Yeah, I love it. I love the sounds. Easy like to remember. Um, you guys are going to be blown away by the flavors that you're going to hear about today, and this just the story behind it. On the podcast is CEO Ilana Fisher. Ilana, it's so great having you on the podcast. Thank you, Justin. It's great to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. Like I was, I was telling you before we hit record, I was literally in Costco last week and doing the stock up and walking down one of the aisles, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Wisp! Like I'm, they're coming on next week. So I'm so excited that you're here, and congratulations <laughs> on that. Such a good win to be in Costco. Um, before we get to the brand and the company and your role um, leading this cool brand, talk about your background before even getting to even the food and beverage space. Sure. I uh, I actually grew up loving cheese, and it was it was just something with my favorite food as a kid. My family used to give me uh, canisters of craft grated Parmesan cheese for my birthday and for Hanukkah, and um, it was just always kind of this funny side thing that I that I loved, and I never really. Um, I never really figured out how to pursue my love of cheese in a sort of more professional <laughs> right, setting. For I work. Just basically, I basically just did it in my spare. I basically ate cheese in my spare time and worked um, more traditional business jobs nine to five. Uh, but as I sort of as I got older, I, I did really want to learn more about cheese. So I started working in cheese shops on the weekends while I was doing you know more traditional business work during the week. And um, somebody that I met at Murray's Cheese, actually, in New York City, introduced me to Neil Schumann, who is the founder and CEO of Schumann Cheese, which is the largest importer of Italian cheese in the U.S. I had never heard of them before, but I went out and met with Neil, and we had a great conversation and um, really, really enjoyed talking to each other. And he created a role for me to join his company as the head of innovation um, and corporate strategy. So... I was at Bain at the time, uh, working as a consultant, and right. I left Bain and uh, went to join Schumann Cheese and built an innovation team. And the first product that we launched was WISP. Wow! So I have been with WISP since the the very beginning, um, since the early R and D phases, all the way through today. Wow! And so when you went there, and uh, you know, it's cool as it matched up your passion and interest, right, with an actual day job, which is kind of cool. And then you got to do it in innovation, which yeah. is so exciting. Um, how, so, what was the origination of this product? Like, what was the, the the market segment you were you were targeting? And was it obviously snack food? But what was give us some background in terms of how Wisps came about? Yeah, sure. It actually wasn't our. I, I can't take any credit for the concept or the idea. People have been grating Parmesan cheese and baking it in their ovens in Italy for generations. Right. It's a delicious, uh, delicious snack, and anyone can do it. The challenge is that when you do that at home, it's great to put it right on a salad, for example, but it doesn't last for very long. It really quickly turns oily, it tastes kind of burnt, it gets chewy. Um, And so our challenge was figuring out 
how, which cheese to use and then how to bake it so that we really had a concentrated cheese flavor without sort of an oily burnt texture that we could sell, um, you know, in grocery stores and across the country as opposed to just in restaurants fresh out, off, out of the oven. Wow. And so uh, had, were there others in the market already in this space or was it a new segment? You know, like what did it look like as you guys were, were innovating this product? You know, there was one company um, from out of Italy that was doing something similar and um, they hadn't had much traction in the U.S. Uh, but we, we knew it was possible. Um, and so we basically, as the, you know, as the Parmesan experts and Parmesan is, is a great cheese to bake because it's, uh, it's low fat by nature. We, we basically spent a lot of time figuring out exactly what recipe to use. Not all Parmesans are created equal. So we put together a custom recipe of, of our Parmesan, um, and then spent a lot of time baking it. I would say my first year to year and a half was really figuring out how to turn this concept into something that was um, a reality wow. because the concept was there, but then actually being able to produce it was really most of the work. Wow. A year to a year and a half. I mean, it just takes time, right? Yeah. With any product, especially a food product. Um, and then when did this, did this be, become its own business or how did that, that happen? Sure. You know, we, we initially launched with because we knew that snacking was becoming a bigger and bigger component of people's eating every day. And we were a cheese company and wanted to participate in that. And then, um, so we handed it off to the cheese sales team and we said, hey, go sell this product <laughs> alongside, you know, your grated Parmesan and everything else that you're selling. Sure. And at first they did, and they did a great job with it, but it got to a point where it, it really took off and with became sort of a, a, a very big, fast-growing, great product within the company. Wow. It started to really distract from the rest. You know, the company is a 75-year-old cheese company, not a, a branded snack company. And so we got to a place where we were kind of competing for internal resources. And at that point, Neil decided to spin off the company. That was in 2019. Got it. And, um, and we're now an independent standalone company. Amazing. Yeah. For those who don't know this, yeah. this segment of the market, the global snacks market in 20, 2019 was nearly $500 billion, 2020 over 500 billion. And I don't have the exact number, but I mean, on an upward trend, what a huge market segment and um, interesting place to play. And, and I, I love your, um, just your product packaging flavors and whatnot. Um, as you, spun off the company. Talk about what your role was then and then your path to becoming the CEO. Yeah, I was the head of innovation and strategy at at Schumann. And so I ran, as part of that, I ran the WISP business because um, that was an innovation item that we had launched. And then we were also launching a bunch of other products as well. Uh, and then also I did corporate strategy, which was um, building on my experiences at Bain. And when I when we sold the business, uh, the private equity firm uh, Kano's Capital that bought with brought me uh, along with the business to to continue to run it. And so that's how I stepped into the the CEO role a couple of years ago. And then we went from having just a few people come with us from Schumann to being a thirty person team wow. uh, today, and um, have really grown the business quite significantly in the last couple of years, which has been really thrilling. Yeah, and uh, and I've got a couple angles I want to go to go with 
with you okay. to today on that topic. Um, so when you guys spun out, how many flavors were there? Because now I see, let's see, uh, tangy ranch, nacho, parmesan, cheddar, asiago, pepper jack, yum, barbecue, tomato, basil, uh-huh. and two new flavors, hot and spicy and garlic herb. Wow. Okay. So was it just, was it just one when you guys got started or what did that look like? Yeah, we actually, we started with Parmesan and we were very lucky to start, uh, start our business in Costco. And in Costco, they have, <laughs> Great place generally to have just one, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing retailer to right. start in, especially for, for a young brand because, um, people, you don't need to have a whole huge marketing budget or brand. The Costco buyers do a very good job of sort of picking great products. And so their, their members really trust them. So they'll try something just because it's in the store. And um, that was a, a great way for us to make sure that the product was, was a good idea and was actually going to sell. And then we did really well there. And um, that justified additional investments in, in equipment and lines and production and things that we, we were a little bit more reluctant to make before that. So, and then from the business grew in Costco. And so for, for a while, we were just, just running mostly Parmesan. I mean, that was, that right. was all we Why did. do anything just else? Parmesan with. Right. Yeah, it was working. We went with it. And then our, our grocery retail team said, hey, excuse me. You know, they raised their hands and said, we'd love a couple other flavors so that we could have like, you know, a little more room on the shelf. Um, and we, we sort of stepped back and said, okay, we, that's a very good, good request and very fair. And so let's give them a couple of other flavors. So the most obvious flavor to go to if you're a cheese snack in the United States is cheddar. Of course. And we, <laughs> we, so we, we went into the plant with our cheddars and we, we didn't make cheddar at the time. So we bought a bunch of cheddar and we brought, you know, low, low fat, high, you know, regular orange, white cheddar, imported, domestic. We had all the different cheddars with us. <laughs> who knew there was so much cheddar thing. cheese? I mean, who knew? Oh, there's so much <laughs> oh cheddar gosh. cheese, yes. And it's all very different and unique. And and so we just thought we'd blend it until we found the right recipe, just like we had done with the parm. Um, and we just couldn't. We spent weeks in the plant trying to figure it out and just could not land on anything that either wasn't too oily or when it wasn't oily, it tasted frankly, like cardboard. Ugh. And so we, um, we actually pulled back that launch and we had our master cheese maker make a cheddar cheese for us. And we still use that today. And it's a cheddar cheese made just for with. So anyway, that's all to say that, you know, we have <laughs> nine flavors today, but not every single flavor has been as easy um, to launch as, as some of those early flavors. We really put a lot of time and time and effort into um, to get them right. So, and, and wow, I mean, you start with Costco, it's like, you know, a lot of the brands I have on, some of them are like, you know, start with the kitchen and then we were in one small retail store and then a hundred and then a thousand, but Costco, yeah. boom. So did you already have the scale in order to handle that? Like, did you already have the production capacity, the distribution, the packaging set up the right way? I mean, all that, or did you have to get help? Like, what did that look like on a small, with a small team? One of the really lucky things about starting a business within a larger company is that you have a lot of the infrastructure that you need to service new customers. And Got so it. we had, we knew how to service Costco. We knew how to ship to Costco. We had all the, you know, everything set up. We did not have full production capacity. And as the product became um, more noticed across the Costco regions, um, we actually had to put some some buyers on hold as we built out new production lines uh, in order to, to service them. Yeah. And was this a space you knew well, or did you have to lean into others, you know, based on your background? Like, what did that look like? I, I really didn't. I, uh, I was sort of the, I would say I was, 
you know, more like the point guard and less right. like the expert on anything. <laughs> I was sort of, you know, trying to keep everybody flowing in somewhat of the same direction. I knew where the basket was, but I didn't, you know, I really didn't, um, I really wasn't an expert. I hadn't sold food before. I hadn't made food before. And, uh, and I, all I had was, you know, my taste buds and my passion and then the work experience I had built up in, in other industries. I love that. That's, that's cool. And the value of the team, right? Um, cheese, yeah. grits, like the whisk cr- cheese grits are just deliciously low carb, high protein, gluten-free snack, even your cheesiest cravings. They're delicious. Um, I've had them. Um, all right. So over the last two years now, gosh, you guys have added other flavors. How did you guys figure out what flavors to launch? And like, how did you, how did you make that decision? You got nine now. Like, it was an input from consumers. Was it hey, people asking for it? Was it based on the market? What did that look like? Yeah, that was actually um, all of the above. So I think we we initially thought we were this sort of specialty snack cracker that was made from the best cheese, and we had very sort of artisanal-looking packaging and design, and really thought of the the item as as sort of a special occasion item. And then as we heard back from consumers who were trying with, they kept telling us, you know, I ate the whole bag in the car on the way home, and I <laughs> bought right. five bags at Costco, and Right. We just kept hearing this feedback that this was not like a, oh, I'm having wine and cheese and I'm going to put this out for a jerk. This was like an everyday snack for people. And so we really, re- that, that helped us to rethink about the brand um, as a snack brand. So we, we changed the packaging entirely and now we have a much brighter package. Um, and then we also, instead of just developing pure cheese flavors, which our first three flavors had been pure cheese, we started looking to other snacks like the chip industry, the potato chip industry to say, Hey, what flavors are really working? And that's how, you know, we landed barbecue ranch, nacho have their obvious inspirations in, in, in chips. Well, yeah. Okay. So interesting. So I didn't realize that initially the, you were thinking of this as like a, a wine and cheese type and crackers type product and then, and not initially targeting the snack food industry. And then you, and you saw a pickup in that and that's how you shifted. Is that, did I get that right? Yeah, we basically saw people consuming with as if it was a snack. Right. Which we kind of, we, it's not like we didn't think it was a snack. It's more like we thought it was more of a specialty item, okay. but it really turned out to be like a, you know, people would eat a bag a day. Right. And sandwich and, and whisk for lunch. Lot. Right. I got exactly. my sandwich and my exactly. bag, of, bag of whisks instead of chips. Um, they do <laughs> rhyme. That's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so as you've grown over the last year or two, um, uh, as, as a leader of people, what, what have been the biggest challenges or opportunities or things you've learned in terms of people leadership and the importance of building a team? And like, what, what does that look like? I mean, I think that becoming a, a CEO and, and hiring a team has been incredibly fulfilling. And the, the thing that I have focused on the most is that if, if we put, if we have the right people on the team, we will succeed and and thrive. And so I spend probably most of my time handling team issues um, and dealing with people and and the people side of the business. Um, I really do believe in both, you know, investing the time to to hire the right people and then making sure that while they're on board, where I'm, my job is to clear barriers and blockades in front of them to allow them to to succeed and to do. Um, the work that we hired them to do. So I really, you know, I, I continue to not be a, a, you know, specific expert on a certain area or function in the business, but more try to make room for the experts that we've, we've hired um, to do their jobs well. I love that. What a great approach. Um, 
and a great leadership perspective. As you look ahead, so here we are, six, we got in the next six to 12 months, let's say, you know, markets opening back up, people traveling again, shopping through all kinds of different channels. How do you think about route to market? Um, or growth besides like you already you're in, already been in many places like how do you think about that and in, in key focus areas in terms of growth? So my vision is for WISP to be sold everywhere snacks are sold and there's quite a few places that uh, that we still have that we call white space that are still areas that we haven't um, haven't closed yet and so a big part of the team's goal is to just close that white space and make sure that, you know, everyone has at least, you know, three to five um, different flavors of whisk um, on the shelf. And the second thing that, that we're really prioritizing is I think we've done a good job. Initially, this was a category that, that really didn't exist. And right. we have now built a category that's thriving and continuing to grow, which is is just a sort of a pinch yourself thing. And um, (laughs) what we want to do is, is take that love that we've identified for this flavor, for this concept and expand it into new sections of the store into new products. And so um, we've got some really exciting innovations in the pipeline for 2022 that, um, that I think will, will help with move um, beyond where we are right now in the stores into other, other departments. Interesting. And and what did I and I hate to keep bringing up COVID. I think everyone's eager to get past and, you know, move on and be focused on what's next. Any impact for you guys, though, through COVID or what, what did you see through that experience? I think like so many other companies, we saw a lot of people shopping online. And so our business in, in online retailers right. Exploded. Um, grew, grew significantly <laughs> yeah. last year. Yeah. And and that's a channel that, you know, it, it's not that it was like a, a stepchild channel before, but it, it wasn't our, t- our number one priority. And, and COVID really sort of encouraged us or forced us to, to really reckon with, with e-commerce in a way that we hadn't before. Um, and that was, that was a great, great sort of forcing mechanism for the team. Um, and then I think the other thing that we, we learned during COVID was just the strength of, of the team's culture. And that's less about, you know, the, the market and, and what happened with snacks in the market and more just about you really need to lean on each other uh, during periods like this and and sort of have a good dynamic that will last through complete virtual relationships. And uh, the team really thrived last year, pulled together, pulled off some great innovations, some new launches, some you know great new customer wins amidst obviously the most challenging time sure. any of us had ever worked through. Right. And so that was that was really. It was really inspiring. That's awesome. What a cool time to be a part of that. Um, yeah. It's, it's exciting. Uh, I always love to ask our guests, you know, to offer advice to our listening audience and you as a leader um, and building a brand. I'd love for you to share, like, as you think about some of the entrepreneurs that are listening that are launching brands, are thinking about launching brands or helping to grow um, businesses, what would be one or two pieces of advice you'd share with them based on your, your lessons learned over the last couple of years? Advice that I would give to, to people, it, it, frankly, on, on innovation is that focusing too much on the idea is not a good use of your time. So I think people think, okay, innovation is about, you know, sitting in a room and tasting different products or picking out the right color, or figuring out the name or the brand or the logo or, you know, whatever it is. And that's part of it for sure. But that's really, in anything physical and probably in, in things technical too, I just don't know anything about that. 
that's a very small part of of the actual success or, or sort of make or break um, components of a launch. Sure. What really, really matters is doing the work. And that's what differentiates folks from who have, you know, wonderful ideas from people who actually execute and win with maybe ideas that you're like, that's not such a great idea. But what they did was they moved past the idea and worked it, you know, and, and I think that's it. where... You just worked. And, you know, I always say in, in food in particular, like 5% of the innovation is spent figuring out the flavor and the name and the concept and 95% is figuring out how to operationalize it. And so I would say, you know, the faster you can just roll up your sleeves and get working, the idea will definitely change. It might not be perfect, but the real work isn't actually turning it into something That's that, right. you know, can be consumed or pot. And, you know, that is really good advice. You know, I, I see uh, many times people will talk about and talk about and meet on and meet on and talk about and talk about and ask for more feedback and and, and before and yes. it's like, just go start <laughs> or call exactly, it done for exactly. now and iterate and revisit in four weeks. You know what I mean? Versus exactly trying to make it perfect. Exactly. And then you find out it's not anyways. It's really interesting. Exactly. And you really, you've spent so much time, but you've done so little work. And I think that's the, that's the key thing. It's like, just, just get going, just get going, try it, you know? Yes. I love that. Okay. That was like, that's a perfect one. Um, share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you, social, uh, where they can buy the product, how they find places to buy the product, et cetera. Awesome. Yeah, we are available um, in over 60,000 places, uh, doors oh in, in the United States. So Crazy. Costco, Walmart, Target, Publix, Kroger, Amazon, of course, Thrive Market. And um, you can follow us on Instagram at, at with snacks. That's so great. I am so excited for you guys. And even though you're I mean, you're in so many different retail outlets and chains and yet so much potential growth in front of you. And so, yeah. Ilana, I hope you'll you'll come back on down the road and share some other stories with us. I'll, we'll be following your growth um, and your brand. And I, we'd love to have you back on. Uh, thank you so much, Justin. This is wonderful. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.